God is good. What was that? All the time. Oh, that's so weak. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Sweetheart, would you get my reading glasses out of the pocket closest to you? Lift up the flap. No, 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 on the outside. Right there, you lift up that little flap. And then you're going to run them up here so everybody can say hello to my 14-year-old. One of my three 14-year-olds. Reach your hands out and pray for me, would you? Thank you. Amen. Boy, I tell you what. Josh is so anointed and Mindy, wow, that when we do Acoustic Sunday, which is what today was with just the guitar and two voices, we are lacking nothing. And God comes to hunger. And you, I'm so thankful, are such a hungry congregation for God. Because God is attracted by hunger. I am really hungry right now for more of God. What about you? Like, do you want to see more of God? How unimpressed are you with yourself so far? Just <laughs> It's such a great place to be. When you're unimpressed with yourself, then God will say, okay, you ready? Now watch what I can do. And these are the kind of prayers I've been praying to the Lord these last couple of weeks in particular. And a couple of weeks ago, in pre-service prayer, which I invite everybody to, um, the Lord taught us to begin meeting at 9.30 right down here at the front and to begin calling out to him. And during, a, a couple weeks ago, during the prayer time, uh, one of the prayers felt like she had a word from the Lord, which was called the big ask. Do not be afraid of the big ask. That is asking God for big things. Now, you might find that selfish, but God doesn't. Because the way that heaven is released into the earth is through God's people asking him to do God-sized miracles in their lives. And when God does God-sized miracles, then all the glory goes to God. And so he is wanting to do big things. And if this was not true, I would not be speaking this. I would not be teaching this because that would be irresponsible. It would be hype and it, nothing would happen. But I believe with all my heart, as I've been seeking him on this, that it truly is him. In fact, my sister, after I preached it, she called me this week and she said, At my church in Ohio, my pastor stood up and said, God has spoken to me that we need to begin asking him for big things. She couldn't believe it. And then today at 930 prayer, Mindy, who is uh, the gal up here leading worship with Josh, we were in pre-service prayer. She said, before John started preaching last Sunday on the big ask, God, I, heard a, I heard a sermon from someone saying, God is telling us right now to ask him for big things. So I would be remiss not to be teaching on this. Now, last week, I taught on three roadblocks to asking big things from God. We looked at uh, discouragement and um, uh, disappointment of previous unanswered prayers. We looked at it being considered ungrateful, and we looked at it being selfish. I'm going to send out three posts this week to dive a little deeper in those because I've gotten so much feedback on those three points in particular that I'm going to go a little deeper in a, a couple posts this week, a few posts. But then there were five big asks that we were discovering together in the Bible, one to give us permission to be asking God for big things, things beyond your own human capability to bring to pass, which is the only time you see God anyway, is when God does God-sized God things, right? And we looked at those so that, one, we have permission, secondly, so that our faith gets so much bigger than our circumstance because that is the place you meet God and the place of faith. 
We got through three of them, and then Mark told me to stop. And he's my accountability partner, so I don't over-preach. Thank you, Mark. And so I stopped. That was the biggest miracle of last Sunday. <laughs> and guess what? The Lord did not return this week, so we can continue today. Does that work for everybody? So today, we are going to look at number four. Now, there are times when you just need your daily bread. There are times when you need wisdom for your situation. There are times when you need encouragement. But then there are times in life when you need a breakthrough. How many right now, and I mean this sincerely, it's not just hype, for real, you need a breakthrough. Raise your hand. Oh my gosh. Well, let me keep your hands raised. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nineteen, eleven, twelve, thirty-four, Okay, we're gonna at least see seventy-five breakthroughs, I pray. What glory God would get. Imagine the amount of testimonies we can hear out of this place, out of this spiritual community, in this church. And how they would glorify God. To glorify God means to shine light on Him. And the way the light is shined on God is when He does things that only God can do in our lives. So today I want to talk to you about breakthrough. God is a God of breakthrough. Now, a breakthrough is, a, is needed when there is no other way. There is no way. Your marriage may seem lifeless hopeless. Uh, one of your kids that have gone away from the Lord and it seems like they do not want him and don't want to hear about it and it's just breaking your heart. It could be your physical health and literally all resources have been exhausted. It could be your financial situation that looks hopeless and is putting tremendous stress on your marriage. I don't know where, it may be your ministry and you know God's called you, and you feel like you've just given up on it. And it's just, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Maybe like Abraham and Sarah, who God had prophesied that they were going to have a promised child. 24 years later, God said, next year you're going to have the baby. And Sarah laughed out loud. She just thought it was a ridiculous thing. And yet, pfft, it happened. Do you know that God has two timetables in the way that he operates and act, act, his activity in the earth? There's two timetables. Jesus said one, one way was this is the way the whole kingdom of God operates. A farmer sows a seed, and then you see the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, and then he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. That is the normal way life works. It's the normal way the kingdom of God works. That's one of God's timetables. But do you know there's another timetable of God, and it's called flash flood <laughs> and the way this is set up is there's nothing in the natural to give you any hope that it's ever going to happen like israel in slavery for 450 years that means i'm in slavery my mom and dad were in slavery, my mom, grandma and grandpa were in slavery, my great-grandpa my great-grandpa in slavery, my great-great-great-grandpa my great-great-great-grandma in slavery. Four at, I mean, how old are you? Let's say that, you know, the, the median here is 50. Add 400 years to that. And that's how long you and your uh, four uh, fathers, mothers were in slavery. I mean, you're not thinking breakthrough. And then, bam, we're out in the desert, all three million of us. How did that happen? This is the way Christ came. Prophesied for 4,000 years, all, from the, all, all the way from the Garden of Eden. Prophesied, 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 prophesied. And then 400 years of complete silence. Silence. 
And then out of nowhere, bam, John the Baptist comes on the scene. What a weird dude. And then it wasn't long later that the Messiah shows up in the power of the Spirit. Just boom, just starts doing miracles. Wham! There was Christ. And then he goes to heaven. And then he tells the disciples, just wait. Go in, this, go in the upper room and wait. And they were waiting. They didn't even know what they were waiting for. It was a promise of some kind. And then, what happened? Somebody tell me. They're sitting in a room waiting on God. They know it's going to happen. They don't know exactly what it is or when it is. And all of a sudden, they're out in the middle of the street preaching the gospel and 3,000 people get saved. That's a suddenly. That is a suddenly God. The suddenlies of God are amazing. It's one of the timetables of God. Look in the book of Isaiah. It says this, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, look, see, I will do a what? New thing. Now it shall spring forth. I believe I'm speaking prophetically right now for some. I know this is a word that is preached often, sometimes maybe used when it shouldn't be used, but I believe, I believe that God is saying this right now to some. I know he's saying it to me. Watch out, because I'm about to do something you've never seen before. I'm going to bring, it's springing forth right now. Don't you see it? That's what it says in many translations. Shall you not know it? Aren't you recognizing it? I love what Kathy said this morning, one of our intercessors. She said, as we're praying for the big things, don't miss the small things. I've been saying to God as I've been asking big every day, like I am just annoying him. And as I'm asking him big, there's one big thing I'm asking him for. And I saw a little sign. I've been asking him, show me a sign of good. Show me a sign for good. And this, this uh, monitor is starting to kind of feed back on me. Should I move back a little bit, David? Would that help? Okay, we'll try that. And I got a text today from the loved one that I'm praying for, and I don't want to say who it is because it will uncover that person. I am praying for a huge ask this person. I got a text this week person and I read it to my wife and her mouth dropped open and she just stared at me for like five minutes in unbelief it's a it's a small thing within the big thing I'm asking for don't miss the small things as we're asking for the big thing he says it's springing forth don't you see it I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert now do you realize not only God can make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert right only God can do that and do you know this was talking about a physical promise for Israel? Like actually in the desert. In the very desert God made this promise for now produces more per acre than any other acre on planet. Do you, do you know that? This was not just metaphorical. This was a literal promise to a literal people and it literally happened. And at the time he gave this promise, they had been in bondage to Babylon for 70 years. But when God did it, all of a sudden there's a pagan king in charge, Cyrus, who was prophesied by name 100 years earlier. And he comes on the scene, he reads the prophecy, he says, oh, and after 70 years, boom! Their deliverance came. You know they were shocked. It was a suddenly of God. There are suddenlies of God that are going to be happening in this season. I want to look at a suddenly in the Bible together. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 through 45. This is another suddenly that is one of the biggest suddenlies in the Bible. Now, in Israel this time, 
1 Kings uh, 18. At this time in Israel, there had not been a drop of rain for three and a half years. That means crops have died, animals are dying, people are suffering. It's really, really, really bad. Not a drop of rain for three and a half years. And this is an agrarian culture. They need the rain. And then God says, and I want you to listen closely because there's some components here that are very important for you to get so that you can go to God with these components and you can begin asking God for big asks in your life and do it a biblical way so you can see the biblical God do biblical-sized miracles in your life. God said, I am going to cause it to rain on the earth. Chapter 18, I am going to send rain on the earth. And so then we pick this up in 1 Kings chapter 18, and the God follower at that time, what do we see him doing? Verse 41, then Elijah said to Ahab the king, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. I'm going to capitalize on that in just a moment. But it's really important for you to catch that because there was no rain in the natural when he said what he just said. There was no sign of rain. There was no smell of rain. There were no rain clouds forming. There was no weather forecast coming by on a donkey with whatever they used to detect the weather back then and saying rain is coming. But what did he say? There is the sound of the abundance of rain. That sounds ridiculous to the ears of all the people that were living at that time in that geographical place who had not seen rain in three and a half years. What was he talking about? You're one of those Jesus freaks. That's who, that's who he is. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down in, on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked, and he said, There's nothing. You crazy old man. Nothing. How many of you are believing God for something that looks impossible and people don't see anything in the natural of what you're talking about, and they just think you're whack? They think you're crazy. They think you're presuming. And they cannot get on your page because they do not have your faith. There's no shame on them. Don't need to get any kind of battles. I like what the Apostle Paul said that when God spoke to him, he didn't confer with anybody about it. Because the Lord had appeared to him and told him his destiny. He didn't tell everybody else Paul's destiny. He told Paul. So Paul did not need to confer with anybody else because he knew God's call. Boy, that's the place of faith. When you know what God has said to you. You don't need confirmation from those around you. Sometimes if you're not sure, you need confirmation until you are, are sure. But then once you are sure, you don't need confirmation anymore. It's kind of like when I'm not sure if my sermon is any good or not. I'll come out to my wife and say, honey, will you read this and tell me what you think? And it's never good when I have to do that. And I know that because I know that when I ask her to look at it, I haven't got it yet. But when I know what I know, I don't even need her opinion. And if she says, that's not a good title, I'll say, I've heard from God. Never have I done that, by the way, and nor will I ever. <laughs> Just for the visitors that are wondering about this arrogant. I see nothing. Everybody say, I see nothing. And say, but it doesn't matter. Come on. It doesn't matter. Because I see it in the spirit. I see it in my prayer time. I see it in my heart. I see it by faith. Faith isn't necessary unless faith is necessary. Faith is only necessary when you don't see it, you can't see it, there's nothing. That's when faith is important. Faith doesn't care what you see with a natural eye. It's irrelevant to faith. 
So what did he do? He said, oh, well, then it must not be God's will because we prayed and it didn't happen. Is that what he said? Where did he get the faith? Really important. Where did he get the faith to continue to pray and tell his servant to go look again? Where did he get it? I know you said God, but more specifically. Huh? Say it again. He trusted in what? Huh? He heard the sound of abundance, but what came before the sound of the abundance of rain? Huh? God said. Everybody say God said. God said. If God hasn't said, you're wasting your time. But if God has said, He knew what God had said. It's all needed. What has God said to you? What has He said to you about your marriage? What has He said to you about your children? What has He said to you about your ministry? What has He said to you about your career? What has He said to you about you? What has He said to you about your ministry? What has He said to you? Either He says it prophetically, where the Holy Spirit says something to you that does not contrary, not contrary to God's word, but is within the bounds of God's will and his nature and his character and it's about you and what has God said to you he's your father he is speaking to you he is not an absentee father he's not a silent father he's a good father and he speaks to his children Jesus said my sheep shall hear my voice are you one of God's sheep are you a sheep I'm a sheep can I hear it okay let me hear it go ahead <laughs> for those of you that didn't do that you know what that means you're probably a goat. Let's try it again. Are you one of God's sheep? Bah. Now, there might be some imposters. Did anybody hear somebody not actually sounding a sheep like a sheep, but more like a goat when we did that? Watch out for them. He knew what God said, which gave him the faith and the perseverance to seven times. He said, go again. Go look again. Go look again. Go look again. Go look again. What do you think? What do you think his servant was thinking about this crazy old man? He knew Elijah by the tail. He had the prophetic word of God. He knew God's voice. He knew when God says it, it's going to happen. But isn't it interesting that he didn't just sit back and say, "Well, God said it, so I guess it's just going to happen." And I was wait to see what God does. I was talking to my sister this week, and she said that God gave her and her husband a promise for her. Uh, in January, and she thought it was going to happen, and it didn't. And she realized she was missing some important components on her end of the deal. And that's what I'm talking to you about right now. And it came to pass the seventh time, he said, there was a cloud as small as a man's hand. Boom! That's what I was waiting and he didn't pray anymore. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I'm just going to say this. You've got to pray until something happens. It's called push. Can you put that up there, Chris? Push. Everybody say push. Say it out loud. Pray until something happens. That's what Elijah did. He did not give up because he believed he just wouldn't stop until he saw something and then what happened then it came to pass the seventh time he said there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea so he said go up Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. There are four really important parts of this breakthrough. And I, wanna, I want you to see them right now. There's four components. And I want you to 
internalize these four components and carry them with you for the rest of your life. Because this is the way you're going to yank heaven onto earth in your life. One is God's promises. If it's not within the realm of God's will for your life, you're wasting breath, you're wasting time, and you're wasting air. But there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. You don't need to go outside promises. There is plenty of God's goodness to be revealed in your life that you don't need to go outside of His will and be Your will is so much worse than His will. I was talking to Phil and Christina Williams. We, had a, a, uh, we were at a uh, white elephant gift dinner party last night at their house, and, and uh, Phil was telling me this house they live in right now is gorgeous, such a beautiful home. And he said, you know, I really felt like the Lord was telling us that we needed a, a, a new home, and we found the home we wanted. But the Lord just said, and we were walking through, and it's like, this is so awesome. And Christina was so happy, and the Lord said, this is not it. And Phil was like, how could this not be it? And he said he was a real struggle, but he just let it go. And he decided, I'm just going to trust God. I don't know. And it was right down the street on the same block. I won't tell you the whole story. God said, this is the house. Oh, man. Everything about it was better. This happened to Hope and I. Hope and I tried to move into a home up in Ramona, and it was a gorgeous home. Hope was like, oh, my gosh. And every guy wants to get his wife the house that she wants or will just die feeling like complete losers. And so it's just a guy thing. We like to provide. We like to bless our wives and our children. And, you know, and so we tried to get it, and it wouldn't happen, and wouldn't happen, and wouldn't happen. We were so frustrated. Daryl Petch, who was our realtor, he was like in the top 2% of real estate agents for Prudential at the time. He knows how to sell and buy homes. And it would not happen. And finally, school was going to start again. It was summertime, so we had to stay in the little house we had with all of our kids. And we were frustrated. Then five years later, I won't tell you the whole story, but it's a God-sized story. God showed us the house that he had planned for us, and Daryl told me along the way, and he had been selling homes for 30 years at this point. He's sitting right in the back, and he can tell me if I'm exaggerating or lying. Well, don't publicly tell me after I tell the story, because this is also being videotaped and streamed, so it'll be embarrassing for everybody. And so he said he counted, he sat down and counted 15 things that should have caused this deal to not happen. He said, I've never seen God push down barriers like this ever in 30 years come to buy a home. And what Phil said was, I've learned to trust God. Rather than trying to push and control and make happen what I want to happen, I just come to God with it and I say, your kingdom come. Your will be done, Father. It's so much better than my will. It always ends up being better. That house that God blocked would have tanked us financially. We wouldn't have been able to afford the mortgage. The house we bought, that is three times the size of the house we had down here, and, and it's not just size, but our needs being met, it was a lateral move with the mortgage. It's like, how is that even possible? Beautiful. You've got to know God's promises. You've got to have faith in God's promises. This is the second component. Having faith in the promise of God. Now listen, believing is different than wanting to believe. You've got to catch this. There are prophetic words over your life. There are promises from God. There are promises in the Bible. You read them on healing. You read them on financial breakthrough. You read them on fruitfulness in ministry. You read them on your kids loving God with all their heart and knowing who He is. You read the promises in the Bible, and you, and you harbor the prophetic promises God's given to you on a personal level in prayer. But most of the time, we are trying to believe them, wanting to believe them. That is different than what Elijah's got going on here. Elijah believed it. That believing is the key. And let me tell you, for those that have never experienced this, and most of you have, I'm sure, it is like a penny drops. The longest distance in the world, right? I'm sure you've heard that. 
The shortest distance in the world is a red, a red light turning green in New York and the car horn behind you. That's the shortest distance in the world. The longest distance in the world is from your head to your heart. Say, so, well, how do you get that? By the third component, and that is praying the promises of God. And many times, you pray until you believe. Then you're able to pray because you believe. Come on, somebody. Come on. See, sometimes it can't just be that you pray till you're through, like your daily devotions. I got 20 minutes. Okay, I'm through. That's different than praying through. Praying through is like, uh, some of you have heard this, but I'm going to say it again. For those who haven't, and besides it's worth repeating, when my wife, Hope, was pregnant with Isabella, she was bedridden for five months. So I am pretty much a single dad, raising a very precocious two-year-old, and my wife's pregnant with our next child, and I'm pastoring, I'm pioneering our church, and cooking, doing the laundry, I'm doing everything. And she's in bed for five months. And I go into a side room on a Sunday morning getting ready for church, and I'm on my knees, and I'm just praising the Lord. And the Lord said, stand up and start dancing. Now, that's just a thought in your mind, and it sounds ridiculous. And my dog's in the room with me, and I start dancing around like this. And I'm just thinking, I'm just doing what the God's telling me to do. And you feel silly, and the dog's looking at you with one ear kind of cocked up going, what are we doing now? We've never done this. I've taken walks with you before, but I'm not doing that, right? And then he says, start praising me. I'm going, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. I'm doing it quietly so not to wake her up or wake up my baby, right, my two-year-old. And then he says, now start declaring Baal Perizim, which is one of God's names in the Bible where he broke through the enemy. The Bible says like the breaking through of many waters. That's what David told him when he broke David's enemies on the battlefield. And he called it Baal Perizim, the God of breakthroughs. And so I just started doing what I thought I was hearing in my head. Baal, Perizim, Baal, Perizim, Baal. And all of a sudden, I just knew something changed. This is all intuitive. It's all, it's all, it's not in this realm. We're people of faith. The unseen realm was here before the seen realm came. God spoke into existence. From nothing, he made everything. And he made you and I in his image. And he puts his words in our mouth. And they come out through prayer. And you hear the word of the Lord, then you pray it. You believe it and you pray it. And you believe it and you pray it. Until, pa, something happened. And I didn't know what it was. And I walk into my wife's bed, and she was sitting straight up in her bed, completely healed. God of the breakthrough. And then there's God's timing. God's timing is really important for us to understand. And there's two kinds of timing. I want to get these squared away because it's really important that I don't stumble over this and that we misunderstand it because this is really important regarding God's timing. There are times, there are times when God's timing is God's timing and praying about it is not going to change God's timing on the issue. But it won't come to pass Without your praying. You say, well, how's that work? Again, the same principle. God's will is going to be done in the earth. But everything that God wants done in the earth is done through somebody praying it to pass. And so for 4,000 years, God has prophets praying for the coming of Christ. That's what Daniel was doing when he was fasting for 21 days. He saw a promise in the Bible of Israel's deliverance, but also the coming Messiah. And he's fasting and praying, and an angel shows up and tells him what's going to happen in the future. All the prophets were praying for the coming of the Messiah. It 
wasn't going to happen any sooner than it happened, but it happened through prophets prophesying. The Bible says this, God does nothing in the earth unless he first reveals it to his people, his prophets. Isn't that interesting? This takes away the, 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 um, the hyper-sovereign doctrine, which is, well, if God's going to do it, God's going to do it whether I pray it or not. That is absolutely false. In fact, I'm going to show you another scripture in the book of, uh, this is amazing, in the book of Ezekiel. Look at this, Ezekiel 36, 36. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. He had just talked about how he was going to restore Israel. What's he say next? I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. What is that? What is that? Isn't that amazing? I'm going to do these things. I'm going to let you ask me to do them. That's the heaven on earth combo. The heaven on earth sandwich. And you get caught right in the middle. My desire is to provoke you to pray your brains out. In January, the turn of the year, I'm fasting. I'm going to fast right now. I'm, I'm, I'm the forerunner. I'm, pre, I'm the precursor. I just, I'm not waiting. I want to see some stuff for you, for us, for San Diego, God's kingdom. I want to see some stuff that I've been waiting for and it has not been happening and there's no sign it's going to happen. And I, I'm just going to go to God. And I'm to the Lord right now. I am so unimpressed with what I, what I can produce. I want to see what you can do. Right? First Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of the Lord go throughout the whole earth looking to show himself strong on behalf of those, a select group of people, those whose hearts are turned toward him. Drop the mic. God just dropped the mic. How many of you want to see what God can do in your life? What God can do, not what you can do. So in January, January, the first Sunday of January, we're going to start a 21-day fast together as a congregation. We're going to go to the last Sunday in January. We're going to add fasting, fasting to our asking. I came up with that. It almost works. We're going to add fasting to our asking. And that I believe we set January aside to God and we fast and pray together as a congregation. And I believe we are going to see God's blessings in February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, and November and December. I'm not going to leave out November. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. God's timing. Why should you pray even if it's not going to change God's timing so that you can be a part of it and that you don't miss it when it comes? So you can be a participant. Another example of suddenlies and God's timing. The day of Pentecost, there were 500 people with Christ. He revealed himself to them for four, 40 days. Then he says, wait, do you know how many were left when the suddenly happened? 120. Think about the other 380 that did not get in on that. How many? 480? 380? A lot of people missed out on the most powerful breakthrough suddenly in history, in human history. They were there. But whatever, they got bored, they got tired, they didn't believe anymore. I don't know what happened. 120 of them said, we are not moving until we see God. 
But there are people that did not miss it. There are some that did. I'm going to close with this. There's some that there's some that missed it and some that didn't. There was those that were humble and faithful and patient and believing and praying and waiting on God's timing. Simeon and Anna were two of them. Here comes Jesus on the scene after 4,000 years. The Messiah is here. Came as a little baby in obscurity in a small town like Ramona. And goes to the temple to be dedicated. And this Anna, this woman of prayer, and Simeon, this man of prayer, came in to the temple and said, it's the Messiah. And Simeon says, you can take me now, Lord, because my eyes have seen the salvation of God. They didn't miss it because they were prayerful and looking and expecting and waiting. The 120 didn't miss it. The religious people missed it because it didn't come the way they thought it would come. They thought it would be a political leader on a white horse coming to overthrow the Roman government. It didn't happen when they thought it would come. Jesus said, this day, the prophecy of the Messiah is fulfilled and you're here. And they tried to throw him off a cliff. It didn't happen who they thought it should happen through. And it wasn't what they were expecting. They were expecting an overthrow of the Roman government. But God's, God's work in your life is so much bigger than what you're even praying for. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you even ask or think. They're thinking, that, I mean, the biggest breakthrough they could imagine was that a political leader would be born in Israel and overthrow the Roman government. That was the biggest prayer they could possibly pray. And you know someone were praying it. But as they're praying for the Messiah to come, the deliverer, God's plan was a lot bigger than that. He was going to bring a spiritual king that was going to overthrow the prince of the ruler of the entire earth, which is Satan himself, and set not only the Israelites free, but every other human being on the planet that would ever cry out the name of Jesus. Don't pray small. It's an insult to God. It's an insult to his capability. Come to a place where you are so unimpressed with what you can produce out of your own human resources, which is humanism, and begin to get on your knees like the psalmist says. The psalmist says, each morning. Everybody say each morning. Each morning. See, when you grab a hold of this, you recognize how powerful your prayers are and how heaven is released into your life. You won't work so hard and produce so little. You'll pray hard and watch God produce much. Each morning I will bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. My eyes are peeled right now, and I'm looking to see God do stuff I can't and only he can what is it that you're afraid to ask God for what is it you are desiring God to do what is it that God has said to you on a personal level through level through his Holy Spirit or through the promises of God do not cast off your faith for in it your faith is great close your eyes with me this morning I want you to go to the Lord I want you to I want to ask I'm gonna encourage you right now just tell doubt unbelief fear disappointment from unanswered prayers just tell it all get off you just say get it get away from me you just say it right now right there between you and God, in His Word, get that unbelief out. Say, you have no part of my walk with the living God. And now I'm going to ask you to do something courageous. I'm going to ask you to get those big asks. Just dial down and dial in for a moment. Go down on the inside. Get the big ask out. 
come on, you just might get a suddenly if you do this and pray it through. What are some big asks that you can honor God with? And I'm I'm asking you to pass up the little ones and pass up the medium ones and go for the big ones. Let's give God a chance to show himself strong on your behalf. What's the big ask? Okay, now bring that to the Lord. And you can tell him, say, Lord, you're the only one that can pull this one off. That's why I'm bringing it to you. Now ask the Lord to do it. Say, Lord, I'm asking you to do this. Show me. Show me what you can do.
honored by your faith. So go get some. Fast. Pray. Get in his word. Seek his face. Don't live a natural life. Live a supernatural life. Because you walk a supernatural God. He loves you. He's on your side. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ before. Amen. Go for it. Give him praise. Come on. It's all about him, him, him. It's God. Let's look at never given your life to Christ, well, let me tell you, there's one thing more than any else, anything else on this side of heaven that you cannot do, and that is earn your way to heaven. I don't care how long you've gone to church. I don't care how many scriptures you know. I don't care if your mom and dad went to church their entire life. If you do not give your life to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, your sins will not be forgiven, and you will not go to heaven. That's what Jesus taught. That's the Bible. The new birth is a supernatural thing that only God can do. Where He's the only one that can forgive you of all your sins, which He will like that. Then He will breathe His Spirit into you. And you'll be what Jesus called being born again. Spiritual new birth. But you have to open the door of your heart to Jesus because He will not kick it in. So I'm going to be standing down in front of this wall for anyone here today who has never asked Jesus into your life before. And I want to pray with you so you can do that very thing. And you're going to experience a peace that only Jesus can give. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front for everybody else. Prayer teams, please come down by the wall. If you need a fresh touch of God, the power of His presence,